0: Don't throw that excuse at us anymore that we're in Appalachia because it just isn't going to fly. It's being remedied with technology and with community models of ownership in many places that are being very successful. Why can't we all, you know, look into that?
1: Welcome to the 457SEO, a place for stories, information, and observations about our Southeast Ohio communities. I'm Susan Tevin.
2: And I'm Atish Baidya.
1: I'm Allison Hunter.
2: And I'm Erin Payne. How is your internet service? That probably depends on where you live. Nearly half of the people living in rural parts of the United States don't have access to broadband internet, the high-speed connection required for common uses many of us take for granted. Government and
3: survey data show that in 65 counties across Kentucky, Ohio, and West Virginia, the majority of residents don't have access to broadband, that's 2.28 million people.
1: As important as the internet is for education, economic development, and safety, and just enhancing your life, many in disconnected rural communities see their lack of internet access as an existential threat. During this episode of the
4: 457SEO, you'll hear how some counties aren't waiting for the internet service providers to make their way into their communities and are instead banding together to bring fast internet into their homes. And yes, there's an event coming up that can help shine light on this important work. And before you hear from our guests to talk about that event, listen to this story from Benny Becker of the Ohio Valley Resource.
5: Jamelia Lewis lives in a little valley tucked away in the mountains of Letcher County, Kentucky. This rural area is called Line Fork, and it's a place with a strong sense of heritage. This is the house where I grew up. Her grandfather built this house, and Lewis has stayed home to help take care of her parents. She has a background in accounting, but she's had a hard time finding work because there's something missing where she lives.
1: I was actually offered a job where I could work from home, but I couldn't take the job because there's no internet.
5: The lack of internet has made homework a challenge for Lewis's children, especially for her younger son, who's visually impaired. The school has loaned him an iPad that he can use to zoom in on the text in his assignments.
1: But he can't do that here because we don't have any internet at all. I feel like he's getting left behind because he doesn't have what he needs to get his education. And that's not fair.
5: Tina Sparkman lives nearby on a farm that's been in the family for generations. Her family's only choice is satellite internet, which isn't very reliable.
1: On a good day, you can watch a three-minute video if you let it buffer for maybe 10 minutes. And if the wind's blowing, the satellite isn't working.
5: (laughs) Sparkman has a son at Eastern Kentucky University. He can't trust that the family's internet will let him do his homework, so he stays on campus.
1: It's a hardship that we don't get to see him as much, and financially it's more difficult because he has to stay down there on the weekends.
5: Tina Sparkman worries about what will happen after her son finishes college.
1: My children won't come back here to live if things don't change. Our heritage will die here with my generation.
5: There are about 600 homes in the Line Fork area that don't have any options for broadband internet service. In rural communities, that's not so unusual. The latest federal data shows that nearly half of all Americans living in rural areas don't have access to broadband internet. In Kentucky, state officials have been pushing to expand broadband access for years. Eastern Kentucky, long known for coal mining, is represented by Congressman Hal Rogers, who hopes the internet can help the area rebrand itself.
2: In talking about our future, I have half facetiously referred to our area as Silicon Holler.
5: Rogers has worked with two Kentucky governors on a project called Kentucky Wired, which would build a fiber-optic network across the state. Lonnie Lawson has been a liaison between Kentucky Wired and Congressman Rogers. At a conference last year, he explained that the project has hit delays, but should start showing results in eastern Kentucky and in the region between Louisville-Lexington and northern Kentucky. Those will be the very first two, and quite honestly, if we get all the easements and right-of-way issues worked out, it won't take long to hang the fiber. The eastern Kentucky section was scheduled to go online in 2016, but the state is still working to get the rights it needs to hang cables on utility poles. And here's one more reason not to hold your breath. The network won't connect directly to anyone's home. The project is building the so-called middle mile, but it's up to internet providers and local communities to build the final mile that connects to homes and businesses. Letcher County and four of its neighbors have teamed up to make a final mile plan. A consultant, Eric Mills, told the group that they should expect a cost of $40,000 a mile when they're installing a fiber optic network.
2: It's expensive, but it's essential.
5: And as a region, we
2: can't afford not to get there. We've got to give ourselves a good swift kick in the rear to make sure we compete.
5: Letcher County seems to have taken that message to heart. The county government created a broadband board made up of volunteers from the community. When the board met in Line Fork, Jamelia Lewis, Tina Sparkman, and dozens of other residents were there. Board member Harry Collins tried to get the crowd excited.
2: Let's face it, that pipe dream in the sky of the new interstate ain't gonna roll right up through Line Fork. But this group can bring you the information highway, and that's what we're here to do.
5: The board announced that they were applying for a $1.5 million federal grant to install broadband internet in Line Fork, Kentucky. Harry Collins expressed his hopes in a prayer.
2: Father, we thank you for a government that sees the need of the people and wants to fill this need. Father, we pray that you give us clarity of thought as we roll out this system. Father, we pray that we
5: be a... In West Virginia, a new law was just put in place that seems to build on some of the lessons learned in Kentucky. It was introduced by Delegate Roger Hanshaw.
2: I represent Clay, Calhoun, and Gilmer Counties, a three-county district without a stoplight.
5: Hanshaw has first-hand experience with the challenges of life without broadband.
2: My family owns a small hardware store, and there are days when we have trouble processing a credit card sale.
5: One part of the new law aims to prevent delays like those Kentucky Wired has faced when trying to get access to utility poles. Another section encourages West Virginia communities to band together, so that, like the Letcher County Broadband Board, they can apply for federal money.
2: We had missed out on much of that funding over the past several years.
5: Henshaw says with the high demand for better internet, it wasn't hard to get this law passed.
2: This bill passed the West Virginia House of Delegates 98-2. to There's just simply no excuse for service being so poor that we can't process a credit card sale. I think that message has been communicated very clearly to all 134 members of our legislature by their
5: constituents. It may still be years before these communities get access to broadband internet, but in places like Line Fork where people are coming together, hope is within reach.
1: I'm just hoping my little boy can do his homework, can get his education.
4: So, okay, the effort you just heard about in West Virginia and Kentucky are signs of a growing trend that looks at treating internet service as a public utility, you know, like water and sanitation. Uh, communities are taking a more proactive role and not waiting for large corporate carriers to provide internet service even though and get this there are corporate carriers who get federal money to bring internet into uh, rural spaces and hard to reach places we'll talk about that a little bit later
1: now we should add in early june frontier announced they added or upgraded service in noble carroll brown and guernsey counties about forty five thousand homes over the last eighteen months And in late June, AT&T said it would be expanding its basic internet program to Ohio and Kentucky. Only thing is, in 2015, AT&T said it would be accepting more than $14 million annually over the next six years to supplement the expansion of high-speed internet service to more than 37,000 rural homes and businesses across Ohio.
3: But it's 2017. What's taking them so long to bridge this digital divide that millions are forced to navigate each day? It's that frustrating question that's prompted our guest to help create the Appalachian, Ohio, West Virginia Connectivity Summit. That summit is a day of workshops and a town hall in Marietta, Ohio on Tuesday, July 18th. It's free, but you do have to register. You can find that link on the podcast post on our website. Or you can call this number, 740-508-1723. Again, 740 508 1723. And we'll give you that number at the end of the podcast as well.
2: The chairman of the FCC is going to be there, expecting to hear stories on how the lack of high speed internet is choking the progress out of Southeast Ohio. Joining us in the Telemix studio is Liz Shaw, the woman who used her personal experience to help create possible opportunities for self reliance and survival in the 457 SEO.
0: First and foremost, I see myself as a community organizer. I've been doing it since I was a teenager. And issues that are important to me I get excited about them and I have to share them with other people and if I see a spark in their eyes then I start thinking about well now what can we do (laughs) so some people dread seeing me coming around the corner but uh, I've I've organized since I was 18 well actually 17 I was very involved with Equal Rights Amendment when I was in high school got to hear Gloria Steinem and uh, Betty Friedan and um, that was exciting. And then as I, I, I ran a campaign for a school board uh, person, a write-in campaign when I was 19, and he won. So I, I get politically oriented sometimes, but not always. Um, and I was very involved with a nuclear dump that was going to be put in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, outside of Asheville. So organized for that, and we won that. And uh, I I just like getting communities together and involved on issues that matter to them. And also fun things, I like to organize festivals, music events, concerts, fun things too. But I just like to put people together and working together.
4: How did that energy get directed toward this connectivity summit that is happening
0: on Tuesday the 18th? I just bought a new cell phone plan and I was promised unlimited data which I got. But when I bought the plan, I was not told that after I hit a certain data cap I would get throttled or slowed down. So imagine my surprise four or five days into the plan when I get a text saying, by the way, you're now going down in speed, and it became slower than dial-up. I was And I do a lot of things on the computer. I need to be connected. So I went to the office of the carrier and said, what is this about? And she said, I'm so sorry. You're about one of 100 that's come through this week. We didn't even know it when we were selling it that this was going to happen to our customers. And um, there's nothing we can do about it. You can change back to your more expensive plan if you'd like. But um, you're going to get throttled every month after you hit this data cap. So it felt like bait and switch, I went home, I thought about it, and the more I thought about it, the madder I got, um, and then the madness, the anger turned from that to just curiosity. How does this all work? What is broadband anyway? What's the definition? And how are people in Appalachia uh, fighting every day just to get online, even at dial-up speed, to see what their kid's homework is going to be that night? Or to order a prescription online. Um, There's just so many ways that we're affected. So my research just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and I uncovered. Things about policy that I didn't understand and things about economics that I didn't understand and things about um, uh, the terrain and and, uh, the ruggedness of our area and how that might affect it. Foliage on trees. I just didn't know all these things. So I tried to get the big picture uh, to better understand what had just happened to me. And in doing so, I started mentioning things to friends and family and neighbors, and I started getting just a little red wagon full of their stories, which then I started getting embarrassed about my whiny little story (laughs) of I've just got throttled, and poor me, they were telling me some horror stories. So I started going online and looking for watchdog groups. Um, advocacy groups, you know, people who have put some time into translating all of this policy and economics. And I reached out to an organization in Washington called Public Knowledge, and they have a really sharp uh, staff member, her name is Kate Forsey, and she's an attorney and works a lot with the policy that's happening on Capitol Hill, but also understands, you know, policy in general. She explained, explained a lot of it to me, but said, give me some more of those stories, and I'm going to circle back to you next week. I have an idea. So she called me back the next week, and she said, by the way, Commissioner Mignon Clyburn is on a listening tour of the United States, listening about connectivity, especially in rural deserts and uh, urban deserts, broadband deserts. And um, she is very interested in knowing these kinds of stories. May I send them? Well, of course. And this is the commissioner of the FCC. FCC FCC. Commissioner Mignon Clyburn, yes. And um, I knew who she was. I had heard her on C-SPAN, had read some of the things that she'd written. In my research at that point, I had run into the name. So I said, you're kidding me. She might come here. She goes, I don't know, but we're going to find out. Well, we must have hit critical mass. Uh, And I have some stories that I think maybe are the ones that pushed it over. And um, she said she can be there July 18th. Well, my friends and I had been meeting over pizza to kind of vent about this. And, you know, what's your story? What did you find out? Well, here's one. Here's one for the records. So I went back to my friends and said, okay, the commissioner is coming. And we felt like the dog that caught the car. (laughs) Now what do you do? And we felt that way for all of five minutes because then we knew what we had to do. (laughs) We had to take big advantage of this. And so we created a day-long summit of – policy folks, technology folks, community organizing type folks, and um, we also have Broadband 101. I'll be sitting in on that one. And um, uh, in the afternoon panel discussions, uh, a film, a wonderful film that's just come out, short film. And um, that's going to be um, the day-long event, and the commissioner's actually coming in the afternoon. And we've reached out to counties to send representatives And they'll be sending, you know, three or four people, county commissioners or chamber members or whomever they feel like should tell their connectivity problems. And she'll be having a listening time with them in the afternoon. And then that evening, we're holding a big town hall at Marietta High School. Uh, where the public is invited to come and tell their stories. So it's, it's, it's helping her with her listening tour, and it's helping us get better organized and better equipped and educated ourselves so we can advocate for ourselves and be uh, more um, knowledgeable about, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? When policies made for us or carriers offer um, opportunities, will know if that's a good opportunity or not. While many people may have internet or some access to
4: internet, what broadband is considered is the speed and how how much data can be, or data, can be uh, downloaded and right. uploaded. And so, looking at the Federal Com- uh, Communications Commission defines broadband as 25 megabits per second. That's that MBPS that you often see behind uh, the number when you're talking about these things. That's the, so 25 megabits megabits for the download and three megabits per second upload speeds. But what we're finding, what your research has found is that most places um, are woefully under, under connected? How do you even say that? (laughs) Subpar connectivity, exactly.
0: They're definitely not 25 and three, 25 down, three up. They they definitely are not. And uh, as I said, when I was throttled, it went below dial-up speed. And um, they actually told me when we did a speed test on our our system that that was below dial-up. So I would be better to have dial-up. The other thing that it's not just Internet. The stories also include cell phone, the spotty cell phone coverage. Um, Which is a safety issue. Terribly uh, important. And also landlines, which – We want to say that we're being held back from advancing towards uh, better things, but we're actually losing ground, and here's why. The carriers are not investing anymore in their infrastructure of landlines, because so many people pop off of those and get cell phones and think they'll be connected wherever they go, which they're not. Um, But the landline uh, infrastructure is not being repaired and restored and modernized, and therefore, we are actually losing landline coverage and many of my stories are about I have no internet, my cell phone is unreliable and if it rains my landline doesn't work Wow and I had no idea to the, to the degree that that was happening um, we're circling in West Virginia counties and Appalachian Ohio, Ohio counties and I'm hearing this all across the board. And then the fourth one that really gave me pause, and I had no idea about this, there's something called the MARCS system, multi-access, and I'm not even, radio something, I'm sorry, I don't know the acronym, but it has to do with our emergency uh, services. Dispatching and that kind of thing. That's Mm -hmm. exactly right. The 911 dispatching, the um, emergency, you know, alerts. Well, those towers are... um, supposedly, um, you know, state of the art, which they are. But unfortunately, in our region, due to terrain and maybe the uh, distance between towers, we have first responders going out into dead zones. They don't have cell phone. They don't have uh, radio connectivity. And I heard a story from a deputy the other day who was responding to a call that was escalating, but he de-escalated it okay. And as he was driving away from the event, uh, he realized he had been out of cell phone coverage and broadband coverage, and he basically expressed if I'd shot myself in the foot, I would have bled out before I could have gotten to the top of the ridge he named off a ridge to have gotten even a cell phone call out. And I had no idea about that. that I just felt like we're all safe, our... You know, deputies, our ambulances, our fire people, they, they can find us. They'll get to us. In fact, I was on the phone with a, an assistant director of the 911 services in a county in West Virginia, and she said, I, I'm so embarrassed to say that I was standing in our dispatch office. I used my cell phone just to do a test. I called 911. My computer system that I'm standing in front of did not pick up my call. It bounced two counties over. Wow. And she said, I am assistant director of 911 services in this West Virginia County. Um, she said, thankfully, two counties over the, it, the cell phone picked it up, the tower, wherever, send it somewhere. And they immediately called um, but uh, to check in to say this call did come through to us. But that's precious seconds. Right, Confusion can be in, in, introduced in something like that. So again, it's broadband, it's cell phone coverage, which is just terrible in most of our rural areas. It's uh, first responders and it's those aging landlines that it's it's like we're going back to being on the prairie, you know. We, we, we don't have any connectivity in some cases.
4: And one of the um, organizations that is uh, participating in this uh, summit has also sent out information which i found very interesting about the fcc gives money to communications carriers mm-hmm. to fund infrastructure and 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 I'll read from their fund, let me see the Federal Universal service high cost Program, also known as the Connect America Fund, is designed to ensure that consumers in rural, insular, and high cost areas have access to modern communications. Networks capable of providing voice and broadband service, both both fixed and mobile, at rates that are reasonably comparable to those in urban areas. The program fulfills this universal service goal by allowing ele- eligible carriers who serve these areas
1: to recover some of their costs from the Federal Universal Service Fund. And just to give you an idea on some of the numbers we're talking about, the federal government gives four Internet service providers about $25 million a year for Southeast Ohio. That's according to the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. That institute says AT&T, Windstream, Frontier, and CenturyLink are those providers. Frontier gets about $10 million, $10,700,000. at and t gets 9300000 uh, CenturyLink gets $2.5 million. And Windstream gets two point three million dollars, and we're talking about twenty eight thousand two hundred eighteen homes and businesses that are a part of this for Frontier, AT and It's twenty two thousand sixty six. Windstream, it's about fifty seven hundred, and CenturyLink, it's about
0: sixty one hundred. You you do find that there there has been funding thrown at this problem from various sources and generously, but millions have been squandered and and not uh, properly uh, dispersed. And these deliverables have not been, you know, uh, acted upon. So that will definitely be discussed that day, I'm sure, by many of these counties who were expecting something to happen. There's also the situation of hundreds and hundreds of miles of dark fiber I've learned all these terms lately. Okay, right. Dark, dark fiber. Dark fiber. So dark fiber goes right through my hayfield. Okay. And we saw this happen. Uh, with stimulus money uh, with the Obama administration made available uh, some um, monies to run fiber optics uh, on poles through rural areas to connect uh, uh, health clinics, telemedicine, uh, which was great. Uh, it... it you know, kind of marred the view from my front porch because it runs through my hayfield and I enjoy sitting out there looking at the pristine little hayfield, but okay, this was going to be a good thing. That fiber has never been lit up. It ends on a pole down towards Pomeroy. Um, I live in Meigs County. So it just goes there and it stops. It's never been connected. And this dark fiber is all over the place. It's never been lit Some of the things we're going to talk about that day is we want to know uh, what does it take to uh, take over some of this dark fiber, who left it there, Um, there's some you know, and some of these carriers, I have to say, some have gone out of business, some, some have restructured. Uh, it's, it's very um, uh, confusing sometimes to know who was responsible for that, who didn't spend this money right. Uh, there is the Office of Inspector General at the FCC. I know they have been investigating some of the uh, connectivity funds and things that have been provided to schools and I've heard stories where schools have been given these amazing pieces of equipment, like routers and things within their school, but there's no connectivity oh, to that piece of equipment. Thanks for the box. That's right. Thanks for the box. And it sits there, and you can imagine these uh, school uh, you know, personnel walking by this box every day. Um but the, um, the investigations go really deep, and I'm not an attorney, and I don't ever want to pretend I'm an attorney <laughs> and go that route. It's not what's on my list of things to do. Uh, I'm just, a, I'm just a, a community member who heard enough to get um, a little – you know, jarred by it. And as I said, friends started meeting over pizza and we turned ourselves into a committee. We're grassroots. We call ourselves the Citizens Connectivity Committee. Nice. (laughs) Over pizza, it sounded like a good idea. I don't know if it was, (laughs) but that's who we are. The CCC. The CCC. And... um, And so we've reached out, as I said, to these other groups, and they have been phenomenal in giving us information, giving us support in any way they can, and they are coming to present that day. So I feel like the folks who are attending the summit that day are going to leave with information about this dark fiber and about routers that are sitting in schools that do nothing and about all this money uh, from the Connect America funds and the USDA. There's USDA money, too, that's also been thrown around. Um, I feel like they are going to maybe have a better sense of, uh, because we're having experts there, uh, the the attendees are going to have a better sense of, wow, this is layers upon layers upon layers of mismanagement. Uh, And I'm just going to say it, lots of times it's just blamed on, well, you're in Appalachia. What do you expect? Right. And we have better expectations. That's right. And it's kind of a smokescreen, I think, answer type. You know, you're in Appalachia. You got mountains. You got a lot of forests. You got a lot of trees. You got a lot of country roads that lead to nowhere. Well, you know what? There's a lot of dark fiber that's leading to nowhere. And I could run a line about 200 feet, and it would be right to my house. You know, wow. I could connect to that thing right. <laughs> if, if I wanted to, if I if I could. So that that's basically we're not taking that excuse anymore. Very good. And we have coming four communities, two from Kentucky, uh, one from Maryland, and one from Ohio, uh, Appalachian counties, who have said, that's not a, a good enough excuse anymore. We're taking it into our own hands. Uh, Coshocton County has uh, leveraged their vertical infrastructure, and they are shooting radio waves, or I know I'm saying the wrong words here, technology. People are going, <laughs> who is this lady? But they're shooting little magic things from towers that they have leased, and we're talking about water towers AEP at one time had leased them towers, I think that's still a a deal. The Marks Towers I mentioned earlier, the emergency towers, even silos, farmer silos, are stations for shooting these uh, waves, and they are connecting that county more and more every year. They're getting more of that county connected on their county system. So you can buy broadband from that county. Um, Pikeville, Kentucky, uh, has had a lot of initiatives there to retrain coal miners, and they think that they could be retrained very easily for tech jobs because there's so much technology in coal mining, and so it's a transferable skill set right there. But they said, we can train them for coal mining jobs, but this county is not connected. So Pikeville, the city of Pikeville, um, started um, putting together a plan. They've uh, now requested proposals. They have three models that they might use of a hybrid system of fiber and um, radio signals, whatever. Um, And they are calling it Fiber to the Premises Project. And it started with coal miners needing connectivity to do jobs from home. So that's exciting. They'll they'll they will be there. Uh, Letcher County, Kentucky. Oh, they are they're my favorites as far as having the moxie to just get out and do something. A judge there said, "I'm tired of this. This is my county. It's an important county." And their lo- uh, their slogan is, "Connecting Letcher County to the world, one holler at a time." Nice, don't you love that? Own it. Yep. And they started with the most remote community in their county on purpose. Line Fork, Kentucky. They started with the most remote one to start with and said, if, if we can do it to there, anybody can do it to anywhere. Uh, so they'll, they'll be there telling us how they're doing it. And then uh, another very interesting one is from Garrett County, Maryland. Uh, those folks are using something called TV white space. And that is unlicensed TV uh, spectrum that can be used. Um, and it's very effective in getting through foliage. Um, Garrett County is 90% uh, forest. Oh. And so they really have the foliage problem there. And it's a pretty rugged terrain in parts of that county. So that's the model they've used is TV white space along with uh, some fiber. Um So that afternoon, we're having a panel of those four communities who've said enough is enough. Yes, we've heard the Appalachia excuse, you're just out of luck because you're in the mountains and you have a lot of trees. No, that's not true. Um, There's technology out there that will work, and communities can organize themselves. And that's why I get excited because I'm a community organizer at heart. So when I hear communities have taken it by the horns, it's like I'm right behind them, and we had them sign up, and they're coming. A county commissioner in one of the southeast o- Ohio counties told me that's the first thing anybody who's thinking about moving into his county asks is, what's the broadband here? And not just businesses, but, but homeowners and people with children who they know want. To, they might be going to the best school there is, but if they can't connect at night to do their homework. And you know, our fast food restaurants are educating tomorrow's future you know leaders because all these parents load these kids up in cars. I hear this story every day. All these kids load, get loaded up in their cars, and the parents usually feed them at home because they can't afford to eat out every night. They take them to the local, local burger joint, and they sit there and drink coffee while their kids use the free Wi-Fi and, and do their homework. And so many of these children are you know, in, a, in a, a noisy environment, not a study environment. Their homework, of course, is gonna suffer, but it's the only place they can go. Others take their laptops and they, or their iPads and they go into library parking lots. And um, we actually have the Athens County Library folks are coming to the summit. I think one of them is actually going to speak at the town hall, I'm hoping, about they leave on Wi-Fi at all hours. And they put the bill for that and they leave it on so people can come and park in their parking lot at night in the evenings and in the early mornings and do homework or business activities wow. uh, in parking lots of libraries. And that's not just Athens County, that's, that's everywhere. They're saying libraries are just saving people right. so their kids can get their homework done.
1: It's so interesting because broadband, I think still some people think of it as a luxury. But now with, you know, application, job applications are online, um, you know, reading textbooks, all that is online. So it's not really a luxury anymore. So I'm sure that's going to be part of Standardized tests. Right. Right. So well, I'm sure that's going to be part of the discussion. It,
0: it will. And there's a name for that. It's called the homework gap and um, the homework gap is is affecting rural children everywhere, uh, but especially in Appalachia, uh, because we've already had some problems, you know, with some of our standardized testing not being really culturally relevant to our children. And so some of their scores go down because of that. Uh, I was speaking to a school guidance counselor last week uh, who tells me that uh, third graders come in to take the standardized test on computers And they don't own a computer at home. Why should they? know how to? They don't know how to manipulate a mouse. They start crying. They're in tears. Their scores are so much lower. And she said, you know, there's studies saying that testing on paper, you have a better score than testing on a computer. It's just there's studies out there that show that. But she was saying that these children just freeze like a deer in the headlights. And they are making mistakes. And they're going back trying to correct it. And they can't manipulate it. And the time's up. The time test is over. And she's literally having to teach children computer skills just before they're getting ready to take a test. Because they have no connectivity at home, why would the parents buy a computer? Right.
1: When they're already stressed about having to take a giant uh, exactly, test.
0: Exactly, exactly. And the um, um, schools are not able to give every child their a computer to work on every day right. and, and in the classroom. You know, they have to rely on the children having some kind of computer literacy, but they don't. And interestingly enough, our Broadband 101 class uh, or breakout session, we're going to have uh, someone from the National Digital Inclusion Alliance. And that is based out of Columbus, um, actually. And they have done so much work to, it's not just connectivity, but it's how to use the connectivity once you have it. They're doing that back-end work where they're going to libraries and teaching seniors to children all ages um, how to use computers so that if you do get connected and you're expected to be connected in schools, Social Security offices—you often go over and fill in the paperwork on a computer. Right. You know, you're expected to know this in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm really excited about about uh, that group being a part of this summit because they deal with that side of it.
4: You mentioned uh, a number of other counties who have taken the bull by the horns mm-hmm. uh, and and decided to make things happen. Is that the answer? now in terms of local, taking care of local? Can we not
0: expect help from the outside? Well, it seems to be a viable answer for many. Uh, I've heard, and I don't have any direct experience with this or or statistics or anything, but I have heard from those who uh, are coming to speak to us and present that sometimes just a community having a meeting and saying we're interested in this and we're going to look into this further is enough to make a carrier give better service. So that's one way of looking at it, too. Now that's we don't have that kind of ulterior motive for our event. Our event is totally let's get equipped and learn and informed and know how to advocate for ourselves and and know know the language at least of, of what we're talking about. But um, that, that that has been told to me a few by a few different people that sometimes it's just the fact that you are taking a responsibility for yourself. Uh, there's many of these carriers don't have competition in some of their counties so there's no incentive for them to offer better prices or increase their service or repair those aging landlines and therefore um, they they get away with with what they get away with but if they see communities start to organize they realize they might have some competition Um, now that brings up another thing some states have actually enacted what, what we refer to as barrier laws to keep communities from doing their own thing. Um, Ohio hasn't done that at this point. Uh, West Virginia actually has just gone the other way and has um, they've loosened some of their regulations to make it easier for communities to do this. I, I know Roan County, West Virginia right now is on the cusp of going this direction, um, spoke with someone on their task force last week, and they are coming to the summit. They want to get as much information as they can. They're so excited we're doing this. But um, the state of North Carolina uh, did not have barrier laws, and communities were doing things like this. And uh, recently, their state legislature passed laws saying that they couldn't—they were unfair competition. I'm simplifying this, of course, but they were unfair competition to the carriers. This, <laughs> this was North Carolina? This is North Carolina, yeah. and the town, uh, the area is Wilson, North Carolina, and they have a wonderful broadband service that the, the town and the region there put together called Greenlight. They, they partnered with a, a company called Greenlight. So... That is our film that we're showing. It is a quick doc, a short film, on what has happened down there. Uh, it leaves, the film leaves it uh, with that legislation having just been passed. However, we have just learned that there may be a happy ending, so I'm not going to spoil that. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil that, but uh, we, are, we are screening the film. They, they are uh, making that available to us, and we're really excited about that. The communities
3: that you mentioned that are sort of um, finding solutions on their own based on what their community needs are, how, do you know how they're paying for those efforts, where, what, where the funding is coming from?
0: Well, that's a good question. There's lots of ways that they do that. Some get some federal grant monies, like we were talking about the Connect America funds. There are some monies from the Appalachian Regional Commission sometimes uh, given. I think they help the Garrett County folks with some feasibility studies and things like that. Most of them operate on the idea of you pay for your water, so you pay for, you sell subscriptions. You you actually get the upfront money to get all the infrastructure set up and the models set up, and then people subscribe to it. And so the, your water company isn't out to make a profit. It's there to provide a service and stay solvent and keep you clean water coming to your house. So these uh, municipal and county-wide systems, community systems, aren't there to make a profit. They're there to provide a service. And so therefore, their prices can be much more competitive, and therefore, they get lots of business therefore some states consider that unfair to the carriers (laughs) so it comes back to that but uh, so lots of times they they have to have upfront money and sometimes they don't Uh, and that will be part of what's discussed that day that is a big question everyone has is how did you fund it are you still funding it some are um, I think West Virginia just uh, set up some things with some uh, loan guarantees and and, uh, different mechanisms so I'm, I'm not an economics person, but that's been one of my questions too. How did you do it? And Letcher County is is not, a, you know, a, a very wealthy part of Kentucky. They they do well on their own. They they do fine, but um, they've got their problems, and like every county does, like you mentioned. And they've put together a lot of different fundraising you know, mechanisms. It makes to, sense as a public utility.
4: You know, it's so, exactly so how it's looked
0: at. Yeah. Uh, municipal, uh, municipal broadband isn't a new concept. It's been done, and it's been done well in some places, and it's not been done well in some places. And, of course, the opponents to that always point out two or three different cities who didn't make the money they should. And they were, you know, there's a saying, you don't want to be the first lemonade stand on the block, but you want to be the third or the fourth. Mm-hmm. Well, the first couple of lemonade stands you know, worked out the bugs and didn't do as well. And they're often thrown up as, well, see, this doesn't work. But there's a lot of lemonade stands out there now that are doing really well. And we have four of them coming. Uh, one woman in Belmont County uh, recently told me that she called her carrier, uh, the section she was in, and uh, said, look, you, you come to the house I see out in my driveway. You come to that house and you stop. And behind me is a large neighborhood that it wouldn't take you much fiber to get down here and connect us when are you going to come on down this little road that juts off that road and the man said to her lady we're never coming down there so just call me when you move and yeah she she was really livid she's the one of the ones that takes her kids to a fast food restaurant every night for homework Uh, you know my, my son put an interesting spin on this the other day when we were talking about it he said uh uh, he he had done some research about the canals uh, on uh, one of my sons. A documentary person makes makes documentaries. <laughs>
4: okay, so we have to do say we do have to say Evan Shaw is <laughs> my son. And, well, I'm not sure he wants th- that out though. <laughs> but, and so in full di- in full disclosure, and Evan is a, a documentary filmmaker with W O U B. You have to have seen his work. He he he's awesome. The Our Town <laughs> series he's produced. Um, so
0: shout and, out to Evan. And when he was doing the Lancaster documentary, he did a lot of research on canals. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was a lot of, um, you know, back at that day, that that was the thing, get the canals in, that right. connected we, you right. to the world. And uh, there was a lot of deals going on the side, you know, up, up in, uh, you know, the, the state capital, and there was deals going on in Washington and all these kinds of things. But the upshot of it was is that the canals did make it, and a thousand-mile network I think, in Ohio. And um, he pointed out, he said, look, mom, he said, they built a thousand mile network of canals with a little bit of dynamite, pickaxe, shovel, and some mules in the early 1800s. And you mean to tell me they can't put fiber on a spool on a truck and drive it down your road? this, This is not a technology problem. This is A political um, uh, gridlock, economic, money going in the wrong places problem. It's priorities. And that
4: feeling of, again, that goes back to, well, you're just in Appalachia and so... That's right. just how that is. And, and that's they want just us to that believe that. The they want right.
0: to, Yeah, they want us to believe that there's something inherently impossible here and it's got to be these mountains. Well, you know, I'm from western North Carolina. I'm from some serious mountains. I'm from Mount Mitchell area, you know, mountains. That's the highest mountain on the eastern seaboard. Uh, the county I'm from doesn't have a mountain that high, but we have some very high mountains, the Blue Ridge Parkway. I looked out my window growing up and saw Cold Mountain of the Cold Mountain fame of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the shadow of Cold Mountain. My sister has the fastest internet of anybody (laughs) I've ever seen, and they—they just did this whole program down in the Appalachian section of Western North Carolina. Just about everybody, you know, in in her area, everybody is connected, fast, twenty-five up, three down, just not a problem. And um, so that's just—that's got to stop being thrown at us. And if nothing else comes away from that summit that day, I hope that people will come away knowing. Don't throw that excuse at us anymore that we're in Appalachia because it just isn't going to fly. We, it's, it's, it's being remedied with technology and with community models of ownership uh, in many places that are, you know, uh, being very successful. So why can't we all, you know, look into that?
3: Do you think uh, broadband access should be uh, a municipal service like water and sewer?
0: well I personally do and I know there's going to be people that would disagree with that Uh, as I said they'll throw up the first two lemonade stands that that didn't do well or whatever we don't
4: want to pay for people to look up porn (laughs) that's
0: what (laughs) they're going to say exactly I've heard heard, like you said earlier Susan about it's a luxury people think it's Mm -hmm. a luxury and so well they just don't have to watch movies but it's absolutely (laughs) something that the kids uh, I interviewed a, a 12 year old yesterday who was one of the most eloquent speakers I've ever talked to we're putting Videos on our Facebook page uh, of people telling their stories. And this little 12 year old sat there and he goes, It's like this, okay? (laughs) I have to get on the internet to get my assignments and book reports. Okay, I have to write book reports, and I have to look these things up. And he's just going on and on. He goes, but I have to stay after school and go to my mom's office and go to these places to do this homework. And I get home late, and then I have to get up early in the morning, and the day just goes on and on. It's like he was describing Groundhog Day, the movie, (laughs) you know. At the end of it, he goes, so what I'm trying to tell you is you need to come to that town hall. (laughs) and that's how we leave it there's nothing more to be said and and he he was exactly right it was walk in my shoes i'm not trying to look at a movie i'm trying to just turn in my book report you know and i'm going to get a bad grade if i don't get this they have to send these things in one mother was telling me i can't check their grades Whereas they used to send home little paper progress right, reports. Right, they don't do that anymore. Nope. She says there's portals that I can't get on. And she goes, I have to do it at work. And my people, my supervisors know on my breaks, I'm checking kids' homework online. I have to. So, yeah, I, I like municipal ideas. I think community ownership is – but I'm a community organizer. So that's going to be my, my point of view. It might not be the right answer everywhere. But um, from what I've seen so far, uh, it sure is the right answer for a lot of places.
2: In the meantime, before a company or a city is able to establish uh, broadband internet, what, what are some of the patchwork workarounds or other services that uh, have been recommended? Or, to, that, like, you've or that you've used? Or that you've used.
0: You mean what do we do in the meantime? Yeah. Well... Uh, I've tried a lot of different systems. I've tried all kinds of gizmos. Um, my workaround is I go to my son's house, and I usually try to take food. And <laughs> <laughs> anybody who knows my son <laughs> will know that always works. So I'm just telling you something here that you might okay. want to use. Okay. No, That'll on me, too, if you ever want to come right. See, I'm down with that. I'm a great baker. I'm a good cook, but that's the workarounds. Uh, one of my high school students who contacted me and reached out, and I, I do want to tell you a little bit about what she's doing. Um, her name's Heron. Heron uh, does as much as she can at school. She doesn't take her lunch break. She uses a computer in the library because she has nothing. They don't even have a landline that works, um, rarely works. They, She has one two or three boards on her deck that she knows if she stands on those three or four boards she can get a text in and out. Wow. They have no connectivity at all, as far as internet goes. So Heron is an honors student. Uh, Recently went with a delegation from Ohio University. They took some honors uh, high school students to uh, Washington. And she spoke with Senator Portman about some other issues, but she's an honors student. How does she do it? She doesn't eat lunch. She goes and uses the computers in the library at lunch. She stays after school and uses the computers. Her mom takes her over to the grandmother who lives in town, and she does homework there. Um, weekend, she, she tries to ask ahead what's coming next week so she can get a head start on homework. Um, it's, it's just amazing what this child goes through. She's so upset about all of this and, and the way it affects their lives. Um, she uh, has created something that is going along with our summit. She's calling it the Appalachian Youth Delegation. And she's calling up her friends, her 4-H friends, her, her Spanish club friends. I'm also, when I call these counties and invite them to participate, I'm asking to speak to their big brothers, big sisters folks, their 4-H folks. And I've talked to several. She wants everyone who cares about the youth of tomorrow in Appalachia uh, and wants to see them connected and competitive with others in our state and country, she wants them to wear red because she says, we see red, we're so mad. And so there. if you come, we're asking you to wear red, a red scarf, a red shirt, a red hat, we don't care. Uh, but to make sure that you can participate if you forgot to do that, she has cut up little three and a half inch strips of red bandana fabric ribbons. And so you can pin on a little ribbon as you walk on in, into the auditorium there for the town hall because uh, she really wants to bring awareness to the problems of the youth and she asked me yesterday if she might pin one on the commissioner and I said you better believe it I will make that happen so the commissioner will be wearing she doesn't know this yet but she'll <laughs> be wearing <laughs> she's a lovely woman I'm sure she will not complain one bit she'll be wearing a little red bandana ribbon she said bandana because we're country kids we're rural Love and it. it's red and so she's cut up all these ribbons and some some of her friends helped cut them up but um, the workarounds like you just said fast food restaurants, libraries, thinking ahead, always thinking ahead, always thinking I have my laptop with me right now because I'll probably go over to the library in a little while and do some of the work I do. You know, it's very ironic. I I, I designed our little brochure. I'm not a designer, but I did a template online, was uploading it to the print company, and it crashed on me three times. And I had to get it to them by noon so that the order would get back to me in time for an event where I needed to be able to pass these out. I'm uploading, I'm uploading, it crashes, it, it shuts down, it times out, it won't upload fast enough, it shuts down. <clears throat> I had, it was like three minutes till noon, and I am, I'm literally crying, I mean, I'm crying, I'm at home by myself, and I'm going, what am I thinking, putting together a connectivity summit when I don't have connectivity, you know, I'm such a fool, I am so crazy, and so I'm hitting this button to reload it, hitting this button to refresh, and all of a sudden, it just went ding, and it went through, and it said, your order has been received. And I sank to the floor of the kitchen, and my dog comes up, who always consoles me when I'm crying, and the dog is just licking me going, what possibly could be the matter? <laughs> and I'm just trying to explain to my shih tzu, you just don't understand. My computer went and upload the brochure, and uh, I finally pulled myself together and taught my first music student, which was coming up the driveway. <laughs> it's not really good for your violin teacher to be in tears before you even get there <laughs> some of them squeak so bad I do get a little tearful at times but you know only in in, sympathy. in context in, right. in sympathy with them not you know and they're but, um, not supposed to
1: find you on the floor with your shit too.
0: they're not supposed to find me on the floor with a dog licking my face trying to console me no and that is the truth and so workarounds. you just got to be creative and like I say if you have somebody who likes food take them food and, <laughs> and just hang out in their basement or wherever you know they put you um, there's a um, 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 there's someone I know who got her PhD uh, in African Studies uh, and did her work in Kenya in 2007. And um, she said that the connectivity in rural uh, Kenya in 2007 is better than where she lives in Meggs County in 2017. Mm-hmm okay so (laughs) there you go she was describing all of these great little gizmos and things that they used there in 2007 she was working on her PhD so she was sending in dissertation research and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing little things that attached to her phone which shot up a beam to some tower that was catching it and sending it to whatever she didn't know how it all worked but she said it was very easy to get connected anywhere you wanted in Kenya and she lives in Meigs County Right. Hmm. I'm hearing from folks who can't even get the first part of it done where they run a line to you. It's $4,000, right. $7,000 quotes. Mm-hmm. Yes. that I mean, that much. Uh, the, the cheapest one I've heard lately was 1500 but mm-hmm. most of them are like four and $5,000 to run a line. And that's from a company. From a yeah. company that has no competition, so no incentive, and who was given uh, Connect America funds to do what you read earlier to – wire us all and connect us all by order of those who are empowered to tell them to do that with this money. Right. And we did not get deliverables on that. And right. they just want us to think that it's because it's Appalachia, guys. We have to charge you a lot more. Do you know what mm-hmm. it takes to drive a truck down the road? Uh, and I mean, you know, it sounds like we're simplifying it. And and I also want to say that uh, I'm not having a beef at all with the tech people that are out there that no, work for these they, carriers. Mm-hmm. They work hard. They go in thunderstorms, lightning, and all those kinds of the things. And they tell us the truth, actually, when I was sold a certain speed
4: and and it was, you know, I thought it was something I was going to get whatever, I don't know, it was a broadband speed and um, when the tech came the tech was like, yeah we, you can't get that out here that's right um, and we tell them not to say that but you know, you here's what, I'll get you the fastest that I can get you and I was like and that's fine, that's I know yeah, where I, I am yeah. and, I, and I, w- I want the best that I can get and that I can afford but yeah, the number on the, you know, the number on the ad is not what can happen here, even though they have your address when and they have when your zip code it. when they do all of that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like,
0: why don't you just... Just, just be up front. Just be up yeah. front. Under-promise and over-deliver is a better business model than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And, these, and these tech people do work and do hard work, and they are out there, you know, trying to service people. And, um, but it's, it's the management, top-level decisions, the corporate greed, you know, that, that makes some of this, you know, happen to us. Um, again, it's, it's not the terrain. <laughs> right. It's, it's not the terrain. Not, it's not the terrain,
4: And so, in wrapping up, um, I guess uh, is there anything else you'd like us to know about this ongoing fight to connect our southeast Ohio, our Appalachian region, uh, Mm -hmm.
0: to the rest of the world? Say it like that. It's not going to be one in a day, but uh, and a lot of people have said, "What good is it going to do to say something to this person?" Or is this going to do any good? Well, I can guarantee something: if you're fishing and you don't have your hook in the water, you have a 100% chance of not catching a fish. You'll not catch one thing if you don't have the hook in the water. And so we feel like we got her attention and she's on this tour and she said, yes, I need to go to Appalachia. And that's the part of Appalachia I'm going to because we did send these stories and reached out. So if you don't take advantage of it when someone does say, I'm interested and I'm concerned, Um, then you have no one to blame but yourself on on that. I feel like the ongoing messaging will be important that it doesn't stop with this July 18th event, that it continues in the communities and in the counties, uh, talking about it, holding your elected officials uh, accountable to doing the best they can and doing everything they can, your state level, and then, of course, your federal federal officials. You need to be uh, informed of who's voting how. You know, who is voting how to get this here, and uh, what, what are they missing? What are they not thinking of? And um, uh, just keep the awareness up and don't despair. Don't get into the, you know, uh, we, we often just um, accept the, the, the worst and not fight for the best. So I I just think we have to just keep fighting for the best thought, the highest thought. We have to just go after that. And we may get halfway there, but that's better than not getting anywhere. And as I said, you got to put that hook in the water. So I've got a bunch of hooks, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm throwing them out.
1: Thank you to community organizer Liz Shaw for coming in and talking with us. awesome. For sharing her story and all the other stories that she had to share. Uh, Liz and the CCC have organized an important event, if you haven't heard yet, for July 18th. The Appalachian, Ohio, West Virginia Connectivity Summit, again, is free. But be sure you register so there's enough space. There's going to be a lot of people there we're hearing, including us. Some of us. Some of us. You can call 740-508-1723. That's 740-508-1723, or go to wub.org. The link will be in the podcast for the registration page.
3: We also appreciate Benny Becker's work with the Ohio Valley Resource, a project made possible with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and member stations like yours truly. Adam Rich. Producer Adam is our sound engineer. Nathan McGuire composed our music that you hear at the beginning of the show. And Aaron Payne is our editor. 457 SEO is recorded in WAB Public Media's Telemix Studio right here in Athens, Ohio. I'm Atish Baidia.
1: I'm Susan Tevin.
4: I'm Allison Hunter.
3: And I'm Aaron Payne. Thanks Payne. for listening. See you next time. You are right. Also, fight. for
2: your right. That's the music we should play. Bra- song. <laughs> right. That's the music we should play.
4: Get up, log on. <laughs>